Go ahead and grab your Bible, Psalms chapter number 51. Psalms chapter number 51, we're going to verse number 12, Psalm 51 and 12. They'll put it up on the monitor for us, Psalms chapter number 51, verse number 12. Restoring to me the joy of thy salvation. Every head bowed, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We recognize and realize, Lord God, that from you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Lord, we're praying, Lord God, that you would open, Lord God, our eyes to behold the wondrous things of your word. Lord God, I cannot say anything in my humanity, Lord God, that would inspire anybody. But Lord God, if you would flow your word through me to us on today, that we would hear, Lord God, the word that you would have. We're praying, Lord God, that you would be glorified. Lord God, we're praying that your people would be edified. And we're praying that sinners would be justified in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And just for a thought, the joy of salvation. Is that all right? Let's talk about the joy of salvation. So as we jump right into God's word, I think Psalm 51 is one that we're all familiar with. If you had a favorite song, you know, that comes on the radio, you'd be like, that's my jam. You, you do that, Mother Chambers. That's my jam. All right, all right, all right. That's my jam, all right. Different songs will come on, and, you know, that's, that's just my jam. Well, I think for us as believers, we could all say that Psalm 51, that's my jam, all right. That, that's my jam, all right. Why? Because we all know what it means to walk with God, and we all know what it means to fail God. Uh, at one time or another, we have all found ourselves where David was in that particular moment of his life, did not plan on failing, didn't want to fail, but yet failure he was nonetheless. So here in Psalm 51 and this book of Hebrew poetry that we have, David begins to sit down and he puts pen to paper and begins to overflow with how he was feeling at that time. And, you know, as he began to confess his sin and talk about it he recognized but lord there's something that i'm missing there's something that i had with you god that i just don't have anymore there's that song said you know that where's that loving feeling that loving feeling is gone gone away and so he had been confronted with his sin and having been confronted with his sin it reminded him and anybody ever got out some type and, and your mind was just kind of out of character you were out of place you were doing things you shouldn't have been doing saying things you shouldn't have been saying thinking things that you shouldn't have been thinking but then God will come and confront you with his word when God confronts you with his word, it just kind of snaps you back into place. It reminds you, what was I thinking and what was I doing? And God confronts us with his word. And, and so David be responded to that word. And he responded to that word. And he gets down to this place in the psalm in verse number 12. And he has, as a part of his request, restoring to me the joy of salvation. Restore to me the joy of salvation. Anybody ever felt like you lost that joy of salvation? If somebody you might have feel like right now on today that you've lost the joy of salvation. Well, I got good news on today. The Holy Ghost has a word for us. I believe that on this morning, he's going to remind us and help us to remember the joy of salvation. 
Always when we're approaching the scripture, we want to make sure we read the scriptures exactly the way that it was meant to be understood. A lot of times, if we're not careful, when you begin your daily Bible reading, you're going to approach the text with what you think it should say. So I just got a news flash for you. You know, the Bible wasn't written based on how you feel. All right. It's based on what God knows. All right. So when we approach God's word, we got to be careful that we don't take or let anybody else take and twist God's word into meaning something that it did not intend to mean. That's why the scripture admonishes us to study to show ourselves approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know why it says rightly dividing? Because there's a wrong way. All right. It's a wrong way. You better be like Acts 17 and 11. The Bereans were more noble than they at Thessalonica in that they went back and studied for themselves to see if those things were so. There's a lot of songs I like that play a lot of Christian music. I did. But listen, I got to go back sometime and say, where did it say that in the scripture? If you can't take me to chapter and verse and make sure that it's meant the way that is that you're saying it, the way that it was meant to be understood, I got a problem. Because the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So as we approach the task this morning of trying to understand God's word, and when we go to understand God's word, we should pray that Psalm 119 and verse 18. That's one I, I'm, I'm just getting more familiar with. Psalm 119 and verse 18 says something to the effect of, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. The word of God is a wonder. Did you know that? You know how we sing that song, uh, Mother Brown, that he's a wonder? Y'all know that song, right? He's a wonder in my soul. God is a wonder in our soul. Well, guess what? The wonder, we can find out more about it is right here in this book we call the b-i-b-l-e so that's how we discover the wonder of who god is but you can't just approach this book like it's your natural book you can't approach god's word just you know with your own way of thinking and your human thinking and all that type of stuff so listen i know that this is the word of god in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god right so we know that this is god so what you're holding in your hand it's god and to think that I can just casually approach God and think that I'm going to understand a God who has declared his ways or past finding out, I got another thing coming. So when I sit down, just like you sit down before you eat anything, or you should, you should. I don't know if y'all y'all still, still pray. Anybody still pray before they eat? You know, I do my prayer. You know, Lord, please bless this food I'm about to receive. Anybody else do that? No? Y'all pray over your food? All right. That'll be a blessing. And a nourishment to my body, right? In Jesus' name, amen. Some of that, by the way, just some of that stuff the Lord ain't going to purify, uh, that, uh, that McDonald's and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, I tried that prayer, and I thought it was just going to purify everything and make it good. Some things, I'm sorry, y'all, it ain't going to be good for your body. You know, we just pray that, I don't know, we're praying for something. But yeah, still pray. Still pray. Make sure you're praying. But some of the things I have found out that, you know, he didn't, yeah, yeah, it still ain't good for me. All right. Be mindful of that. But we still pray. But that same way that we pray, right, over our food, we should pray as we go in and begin to read the Bible and the scriptures because we want the Lord to open up our understanding that we might understand the scripture. So Psalm 51 and 12, David says the joy of salvation. So what's he talking about? What, what does the Bible mean 
when it describes salvation as a joy. Because there's a lot of people that would not describe salvation. They would say salvation is, in, is anything but joy. Uh, the reason why every seat is not filled up on this morning is because people see salvation as anything but joy. Y'all believe me? Yeah, you know, that, that worldly way of thinking, they don't see the things of God or the things of salvation as joy. That's why they're not here on today. So when David says, restore unto me the joy of salvation, what exactly is he talking about? Because if this salvation is such a joy, where is everybody at? If it's such a joy, you know, not even just, okay, maybe that's the world because they're still in their sinful state. But what about the saints? Okay, maybe we'll say because the, the, the sinner, their eyes have not been opened to the wonders of salvation. But what about our eyes that have been opened? Are you still finding joy in your salvation? Is Jesus still the best thing that ever happened to you? Listen, you don't have to even amen me. Well, you can amen me. That, that makes a preacher feel good. But listen, but whether or not you amen me or not, you have to know, is this a reality of my life? One thing I know about coming to church is that church, if you're not careful, can be like a motivational seminar. It really can. If you're not careful, you can come to church like you would go to a motivational seminar. Anybody ever been? I've been, right, to a motivational seminar. I've been, and uh, they bring in kind of big names, and they'll say nice things, and I will get all motivated, right? I get motivated, and then I go out and don't do a thing. So we got to be careful that we're not making God's message a motivational message. God's word is not for us to be motivated in that sense, but it's for us to take his word and apply it. So even though I say these things and I know these things to be true, but am I seeing these things as the reality of my life? The joy of salvation. What is David talking about? David's talking about the extreme gladness, not just gladness. Anybody ever been glad about something? Yeah, but he ain't talking about just gladness, extreme gladness and great rejoicing. And he's talking about that because of God's provision, God's provision of salvation. Somebody said, well, preacher, what is salvation? I'm glad that you asked. Salvation is that deliverance. It's rescue. It's liberty. All right. It's our welfare. So God has provided for our salvation. Now, let's talk about it on this morning. Here we have David, and if we understand how the Bible is written, we know that David is writing during a period of time that we call the first covenant. God made a covenant. He made an agreement. He made a deal, all right, with people. And he said, if you do this, I'll do that. And that's how God entered into this arrangement with his people. He said, if you follow my laws and if you keep my commandments, I'll bless you. If you don't, you'll be cursed. That was the first covenant in a nutshell. David is a first covenant believer. And so David realizes that that salvation that he's describing, partly what it describes is how God provided for their deliverance out of Egypt. God's people were down in Egypt 400 years, right? And God 430 years and God came and he delivered his people out of Egypt. Anybody know the story of the Exodus on this morning? Anybody, right? You heard of Exodus, right? And we know that God provided for a great deliverance. How did God provide that great deliverance? He opened up the Red Sea and his people went through on 
dry ground. You might be facing a Red Sea on this morning, but I'm going to tell you what I know. There's a God who can open up whatever Red Sea you might be facing on this morning. And I don't care. I'm talking about a God who makes ways out of no ways. Anybody ever had their back against the wall and you could not see any way out? But I'm talking about a God who makes ways out of no ways. He's that God. He makes ways out of nowhere. You know, that's my, my jam. That's my jam, Mother Chambers. That graves into guard. That's my jam. He turns seas into highways. Why, Monique? He's the only one that can. I, I don't take off my jacket to be cute, by the way. I take it because it's hot. It's hot. You know, preachers be working, and sometimes, you know, preachers be working, and we don't get no response. We carrying that wagon uphill both ways. And, uh-uh. So sometimes I just got to uh, uh, loosen your tie, take off your jacket before I melt up here. And just in case I get excited, I got, I got, you know, I got something up here, too. I, I've learned. I'm starting to get a little bit more experience. But we know that God is the God that opens doors. He makes ways. He provides deliverance. He opens up things that would not open up otherwise. Anybody know about that? The Bible says he'll open doors that no man will open. But watch out, catch the other side. He'll close doors, right, that no, listen, that no man can open. So many times you be careful now. You're facing a closed door. It might be the Lord is the one that closed it. Be, be able to discern the mind and the will of God. Because sometimes God's answer is not yet. God has a time and a season and a place. So perhaps David was, was reflecting back on the deliverance of God's people out of Egypt. And God had delivered David in his own life. So it's one thing, right, to know God from the scriptures. And that happened hundreds of years before David was ever born. But then David recognized and he knew about God's deliverance in his own life. God began, or David began to know about God's deliverance when he was out there where nobody else saw him. And maybe you're in a place and you feel like nobody else sees you, but I'm going to tell you, God sees you. Uh, Elder Chambers just said about God being omnipresent. He's, that means he's everywhere all at the same time. He's here and he's there and he's everywhere all at the same time. So David was out there doing what God gave him to do. Whatever, listen, wherever you are, whatever God has you doing, you just find, whatever you find your hands to do, you do it with all your might. Because a lot of times we're wanting greater in our lives. God, I want to do greater, but I'm not doing anything with what I got right now. Oh, I'm talking about myself. I've been there before. I wanted God to do greater, but I wouldn't do anything with what I had. How about I start with what I got and we'll see where God takes it to from there. But David was out there, right? Out there where nobody saw him. Sometimes we, if nobody else sees us, we ain't doing it. Come on now, it's the truth. If I can't be in the limelight, if I can't, you know, be recognized, if they don't call my name, then I'm not, I'm not interested. No, thank you. But be careful because that's what the Bible says, that they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Whose praise are you looking for on today? Make sure that what you're doing, it you're doing it as unto the Lord. So David was out there and nobody was there but David and God. And so then here it comes and all of these sheep, he's out there. He's a shepherd taking care of sheep. I just listened to sheep the other day and they said about sheep are the dumbest animals, right? That they are some dumb animals. They are. And they'll wander off and do all kind of stuff. So listen, David's out there doing a job that nobody else wanted to do, but I'm doing it for the glory of God. 
And when something threatened those sheep, you know what David did? When a lion and a bear came and uh, threatened the sheep that belonged to his father, David raised up against him and killed that lion and the bear. A lot of times we're looking, Lord, I'm going to defeat my Goliath. You ain't even defeated your lion and your bear yet. You haven't defeated your bad attitude and your wrong spirit yet. Come on now, let's bring it up to 2023 on today. Lord, I'm looking for the great things, but Lord, what about the things that are right in front of me every single day? What about my unforgiveness? What about my not loving? What about those things that I need God's deliverance and helping me to overcome? For David, it looked like a lion and a bear and Goliath. For us, it looks like the inner attitude of the heart. And listen, here's the thing. Nobody can see my inner attitude. Nobody, you can't tell what I'm thinking inside of my mind. You might think you know, you don't know. That's why there's going to be many in that day that will say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to respond, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Getting caught up in what people are doing on the outside. If you want to, you better just serve God the way you know how to serve God with what you got. And know that God is going to be the one who will give you your reward. So David knew about that. And just imagine, right, the joy. And we don't have to imagine it too much because the Bible tells us when God opened up the Red Sea and Israel went through on the Red Sea on dry ground. You know what they did when they got to the other side? They started rejoicing. I wish Brother Brandon had a tambourine in his hand right now. Uh, hint, hint. I wish Brother Brandon had a tambourine in his hand right now. And then he started, you know, because, you know, they started playing that tambourine. No, I'm talking about playing that tambourine. Yeah! They started playing that tambourine. You know what? Because that's victory right there. Uh, see, they ain't going to get with you, Brother Brandon. Play that tambourine. Come on. But see, you got to praise it when nobody gets with you or not. All right, Sister Joyce. I see you clapping them hands. I see you, Sister. All right, I got two. Oh, I got three. Oh, I got somebody standing up right now. Sounds like victory in here on today. Oh, I got another tambourine playing. I got another tambourine playing. You know why? Because it sounds like there's victory in the camp. I got a washboard playing over there. I got more tambourines. Why? Because we know why. After God gives us the victory, we rejoice. Come on, give God some praise. God provided us with deliverance. You might not have a tambourine in your hand all the time, but you should have the joy of Jesus in your heart all the time. We joy. The joy of salvation is because of what God did. We joy in the Holy because of what God did. And when we joy in God, that's called rejoicing. When you get over to the other side, when God didn't brought you through on the other side, they didn't act like God didn't do anything for them. They lifted up them tambourines. They started clapping their hands. They started singing their songs. You better give God some praise. That's why, listen, that's why I don't wait for nobody else to praise him. I know what God has done for me. Listen, I'm telling you, my praise ain't dependent on nobody in this room. Because nobody in this room other than God could do what God did for me. You don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. You don't know like I know. When I testify, I got to kind of be a little vague with it sometimes. and I, got, I can't tell all the details. Y'all wouldn't understand it, honey. But I'm going to tell you what God knows. And that's why I lift up my praise to God. You don't know like I know. I joy. You know what? God gave me deliverance. I don't deserve to be here all today. 
God bought me out with a strong and a mighty hand. Israel didn't do anything to deserve to be delivered out of Egypt. God just decided to deliver me. And how dare I come in here and act like God ain't done nothing for me. I've got the joy of Jesus. I got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. On today, I got that joy of Jesus in my heart. And from the outward, from the inward thing he's done for me, you see my outward reaction of praise. That's why this is just a Oh, it's just a bubbling. It's just a bubbling. Remember we seen that song growing up? It's a bubbling down in my soul. I, I, I sing it. I shout it. Come on, since Jesus what? Some, some people don't understand it. But this one thing I know, it's a... In my soul, sometimes, it's like, Lord, it's a bubble. It's bubbling, Lord. It's bubbling. Now, you ain't got to wait. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house. I was glad when they said unto me, you ain't got to listen. If you ain't glad, I'm glad enough for the both of us coming here because I got the joy of salvation this is what david is reflecting on this is what we've had and the extreme gladness because of god's provision god has delivered us i never want to act like god's deliverance was something that i deserved or something he owed me or something i'm earning i'm not earning my salvation by the way i'm not earning my salvation my church attendance does not earn my salvation. My tithes and my offering do not earn my salvation. Listen, I'm telling you, the songs I sing, the works I do, whatever it is, never earns my salvation. My salvation is because the Lord Jesus Christ lived a sinless life for me, died on the cross for me, and rose from the grave, and ever make an intercession for us. So I come in this attitude of humility. Knowing that I don't deserve to be here on today. Knowing that anybody could be standing behind this desk on today. Lord, knowing that you could have chosen anybody. You could have left me right where you found me, wallowing in my sin, living in hell and on my way to hell. God, you could have left me right there, but you came and you rescued me. You know, when Sister Kayla hits that part, you know, you rescued me. That's that part of that song. You rescued. I wish I could do it like that. I can't sing it like she can, but it's in my soul that way. God, you rescued me. I was sinking deep in sin. I was sinking deep in sin. It was me. I was drowning in my sin. And I could not get out. But when I cried and I called on, if it doesn't resonate with you, if you if you don't remember where it's like, if it's been so long and you didn't put it in the back of your mind, where Holy Ghost is bringing it to the front burner. Of our minds to go back this I recall to my mind God I remember where you brought me from I remember where I was when you found me 
I remember I was broke, busted, and disgusted, and I could not get my way out, but you came and you rescued me. You came and you got me out of that prison of sin. I, I was bound in. I was a sinner by birth, but I was a sinner by choice. And I kept making the wrong decision when I wanted to make the right decision. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. David's reflecting from a place of sinfulness. He's, God is blessing him with recovery. And he's recognizing, but Lord, I, I realize what I lost. I realize what I had. I realize where I was. I remember what it was like to go, and I had that joy when I used to come to church. Is coming to church a chore for you now? Do you have to make yourself come to church? Do you, do you have to really think about it? Do you have to really be like, oh, you know, it's Sunday, man. Should I go or should I not go? Yeah, there's a lot of people. And you ain't got to answer me. Listen, this is a question, a rhetorical question for you to answer on the inside. But has church become a chore? Have the things of God that used to bring me my greatest joy, have they just become something that is now ritual and religion and routine? Is church now something that I just do on because it's Sunday and that's what Christians do? Is it the external and not the internal that, that, that drives me and motivates me? Because if I don't go to church, that means I'm not a good Christian. Or if I don't go to church, then somebody's going to ask me why I didn't go to church. So it's just easier for me to go to church so nobody asks me the question. Is it in my heart? Is it in my heart? Is it in my soul? Do, do, have I lost the joy of salvation David had it he knew what it was like y'all know David you know David when he's operating and walking in the spirit when he's operating in the things of God he's enjoying the benefits of salvation at that time and so here's David he's enjoying the benefits and one thing that David wanted to do after God had blessed him with more and more deliverance he had the thought but God what can I do for you and one of the things that David said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go get the Ark of the Covenant. Anybody know about the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant, I've talked about it. It's just like this box right here. Just like this table. It was a box. It was a box. It was wood. But then it was overlaid with gold. The wood represented humanity. The gold represented divinity. And it was a box that represented. It had two angelic type beings on the top of it. Called the, the, the top of the, the lid of it was called the mercy seat. And there, you know, where they offered the blood. And God would look down there. And we saw the blood. He would pass over. So the, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of the Lord. Lord and, and, and the presence of the Lord was far away and David had a mindset to bring the presence. Anybody want to bring God's presence closer? Anybody, the presence of the Lord, it seems like it's far away. It, it used to be close. The, the, the presence of the Lord used to be close, but, but, now, but now the presence of the Lord is far away has that happened to anybody where where i used to be close but i don't even realize how it happened i don't know when it happened i don't know where it happened all i know is i used to be close but now it's far away then they recognize and they say but you know what go back and get the ark I want the ark. I want God's presence to be close again. They realize that, listen, if, if somebody moved, it wasn't God that moved. It was us that moved away from God. So if we moved away from God, just as much as I moved away from God, you know what I can do? I can move back to God. 
If I've moved away from God, you know what I can do? I can move back to God. And I thank the God. So you know what David says? Go and get the ark. And there was a first time they tried it, didn't get it right. But here's the thing, too. Listen, the first time you go back to get it right with God. The first time you say, you know what, Lord, I'm ready to get it right with you. I'm ready to really live this thing out. And then you get to praying and you get to reading and studying and living out the things of God. And then you find it yourself in failure again. You, you tried and you said, you know what, but I, I find myself in failure again. But I'm going to tell you this, that if the world can say, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. If the world can say, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I know the church can say, if at first you don't succeed, I hear Jesus saying, if at first you don't succeed, you try, try, try again. Don't you just act like I tried and I failed, so that's it. I, I tried to pray. It just don't work, I guess. Mike is just more spiritual. Elder Chamber, they just more spiritual. They got, they God gave them the gift. Don't get me started. God gave them the gift of prayer, honey. Prayer ain't no gift. Prayer, that's, listen, talking to my wife is not a gift. That's something you do. And you learn to do it more. They learn to do it better. And so here's what it was. They say, okay, we're going to go back. Round two. Let's go back. Read the word. Let's do it the way the Bible says it. Too many of our failures is because we're not doing it the way the Bible said it to do. I wonder why I'm getting my results because I'm doing it my way. So here it is where... They go back a second time and they say, all right, we didn't get it right. We're going to try, try again. God's presence is too, God's presence is too important for me to leave it where it is. I, I can't have, I can't be separated from God like I've been. So I need to go back and try, try again. Let me get my face in the book. Let me get my face in the book and get God's word down in my heart. Oh, the Bible said do it this way. All right, so we're going to go back and do it the way God said They knew that God was their deliverer. They knew that God was the one who was their shield and their buckler. They knew that God was the one who would do all, who does all things well. And so they went back and they went and got the ark. And this time they got it right. Have any saints or have any witnesses in here? Anybody had to go back and do it again and then you got it right? Anybody knowing back and doing it again and then get anybody know about going back and doing it right? Anybody over there? Anybody y'all know about it? You had to go back and get it right? I had to go back and get it right. If I apologize that first time and it didn't work, go back and get it right. If I tried to love you, felt like I couldn't, go back and get it right. I'm going to go back and get it right as many times as it takes because God said in his word, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So here he is. They go back and we're talking about joy of salvation. We're talking about the excitement that we should have every time we get to come into God's house. Every time, not just into God's house, but every time you come into the presence of the Lord. See, the problem is many of us, we came to a building this morning. Yeah, many of us, we came to a building this morning. Many of us came to a church service this morning, but we didn't come to Christ. Many of us, I did, and I did it for years. I'm not, I'm not the pot calling the kettle black. I did it for years, and I thought my church attendance, I just came to church. I came to the building, but I did not come to Christ. So what I did was I had to go back, and I got it right. I, I found out, but Lord, I'm coming into your presence. 
and in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So I went back and I got it right. And as David is bringing up the presence, I got the presence of God with. And I'm going to tell you, you can tell people who got the presence of God with them. I'm going to tell you, you can tell people, Monique, you know people that got the presence of God with them. It's the people who don't just confine God to one day a week. It's the people who don't confine God to this. I'll put you in this box and God, if you don't move and if they don't sing my song, I'm not praising him. God, if they don't testify the way I want them to, I'm not praising you. God, if that preacher don't preach the way I like, I'm not praising you. But there's some people who get into God's presence and it don't matter what song. It don't matter what song you sing. I'm going with you because you're in the presence of the Lord. It don't matter what verse you say. It doesn't matter the style of your testimony. I'm going with you because I've been in God's presence. I'm done being caught up in the style. Everybody's got a different style. Everybody's got a different way of how you bless the Lord. But you know what? I'm looking at the substance. I'm looking at somebody who's coming to God with their whole heart. And anybody that's coming to God with their whole heart, I'm going with them. David went by himself when they bring that ark up. Everybody was there. The priests were there. The preachers were there. The singers were there. The drummer was there. The, play, the piano player was there. The organist was there. The tambourine player was there. Everybody was there praising the Lord. And they're bringing up God. They're bringing up the presence of God. They're bringing it up and there's rejoicing. The joy of that salvation got so good to him that David danced out of his clothes. See, something is wrong. Listen, I'm all about, you know, I'm all about, you know, we should know God's word. You know, God's word, it does not engage just your emotions, but it engages your intellect. So listen, here's my thing. But something is wrong where it's all intellect and no emotion. Listen, something is wrong. Listen, if it's all intellect and no emotion. In my marriage, there should be more than just the intellectual knowledge of everything I know about my wife. But there's some emotion that goes along with it. Every once in a while, there should be a tear that falls down my... Every once in a while, there should be a hand that gets... Every once in a while, there should be a time I'm running around the church. Every once in a while, there should be a stop in my leg. Because there's some emotion that goes beyond just my intellect. Because God has been my deliverer. He brings it up and shouts out of his clothes. We had a brother here for years. He didn't shout good until he came out that jacket. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Had a brother here. You know, you don't shout good. He didn't shout good. Uh, it wasn't a shout till the jacket came off. That's the kind of praise I want. My jacket might not go. My jacket, oh, my jacket is off. Watch out now. Watch out now. Listen. We gotta be trying to be too cute sometimes. Which we trying to act like we trying to act like you know we got it all together. We don't. It's God has delivered us, and we should act like the people that have been delivered. How does that happen? How does that happen? So we talked about the joy of salvation. And, and the joy, and let me make sure I say this. If you're writing down notes, write this one down. See the joy that we have. That's the root. The joy, listen to what I'm telling you. The joy that we have, that's our root. My joy in Jesus is rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, listen, y'all hear me? I right, listen, the joy that we have is rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. The fruit I produce is based on the joy that I have in Jesus. 
that joy manifests itself in rejoicing. We've been talking about fruit a lot lately. Where's the fruit? I'm saying I'm a this and I'm a saying that I'm a that, but your fruit is going to tell on you. Oh, well, watch out. My fruit's telling on me. I can get up here and preach uh, whatever I want to preach, but listen, if I ain't got no fruit to go along with it, that tells me that there's a problem at the root. A lot of times we look at the fruit, but you need to go beyond the fruit to the root. Y'all with me? We, we need to look at the root of my relationship with the Lord Jesus. Let's put Psalm 51 and 12 back up there for me, Elena. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. So listen. So we got to ask our, our question, you know, how did I lose my joy? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm motivating you right now. I appreciate your participation. I'm glad everybody's leaning in and we're all listening to the word of God. But after I leave this message, if there's nothing that's transforming in my life, if my prayer life doesn't look any different, if me studying and getting into God's word doesn't look any different, if my, if my works, right, that come based off the fact of my salvation, if they don't look any different, then, Lord, what am I doing? So David recognized, first of all, the first step to knowing you got a problem is to admit you got one. Y'all heard that? It was that Alcoholics Anonymous? You know, the first step is just admitting, right, admitting you have a problem. So, Lord, if I admit, if I'm honest, Lord, I don't really find joy in you. And, and though we would never articulate it, I thought that was you back there, Elena. So thank you. Thank you, Sister Joy. My bad. Thank you. All right. That's not Elena. Elena's right there. Joy's back there. All right, Joy. All right, Joy. Joy talking about joy. Listen. Listen. But it's all about us knowing that, Lord, you died for me. You rose from the grave. But I don't feel the same way about you that I felt when I first received the Holy Ghost. I don't feel the same way. So let, let, let's diagnose this problem. We'll diagnose. Is that all right? We'll do some diagnosis here and see if we come up with a couple solutions and, and we'll get out of here. Because here's what David said. Restore unto me the, the, the joy of salvation. First step was admitting he had a problem. The joy is not there. And you know, where, you know part of the way you can know joy, if I don't only experience joy when there's an organist, if I only feel like I'm experiencing joy when there's a drummer or where there's a piano player or whether, you know, he's preaching so much he'll lose his voice. If I only feel like I lose, that's only when I feel joy, that's a problem. If I don't feel joy on Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening, if I don't feel joy when I go to bed and when I dream it and when I wake up, if I don't feel joy on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, if I don't have that joy, joy is just not the overwhelming thing in my life, there's a problem. Lord, help us to diagnose the problem. Well, let's start where David started, right? So Psalm 51 and 4. I mean, we know this very well. So David knew and he could diagnose his problem, right? Psalm 50, 51 and 4, right? Against thee and thee only have I sin. Part of the reason why you might not be enjoying the joy of Jesus is because of sin in your life. Part of the reason why you might not be enjoying the joy of Jesus is because of sin in your life. 
Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, I'm a late bloomer. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a late bloomer. I'm, I'm late to the, the game. And so, you know, there's the things that, you know, some people bloom early. Like right now, springtime, I got the lilies starting to bloom up. And some trees in my backyard, they bloom early. But I got one tree. I, I, every year I'm thinking, is that tree dead? Because it just, I mean, it's like June. It's like, why? No buds, nothing. What is going on? So that tree in my backyard, it's a late bloomer. I'm a late bloomer in some things. So I've had Bishop, the benefit of Bishop from nine until now. I'm almost 46, 36 years of my life. And there are some things that I'm just now getting. When Bishop would always say that, you know, that sin is more than fornication, adultery, what was the other one he was saying? It was like three of them, like fornication, adultery, whatever, stealing, whatever, you know, the big ones. You know, Bishop would say that sin is more than that, but, but for whatever reason, I missed it till lately. Oh, sin is that my bad attitude. Sin is that sinful attitude of self-righteousness. When I look at you and I think that I'm better than you because of something I'm doing, not based on what Christ did for the both of us. That's a simple attitude of self-righteousness. So listen, don't be like me. Don't be a late bloomer like me. Hear my confession on this morning. Hear my confession. So I thought that sin was just the big ones, but it ain't the big ones. It's the small foxes, the little foxes that will spoil the vine. If I'm not loving you, if I'm not forgiving you, if I see you coming and I go the other way, listen, I'm telling you, all of that is sin. Those are all sins of the heart. I'm telling you what I know. So maybe why I'm not enjoying the joy of Jesus is because I got sin in my life. Unforgiveness is a sin. Anything not of faith is sin. Can I confess on this morning? Confess. Can I confess? I'm looking at the time. I'll be good. Confession is good for the soul. There, there's somebody over here that always helps me to preach my messages. You know, there's somebody over here. I won't say who. Somebody in this section. Related to me, youngest of three daughters, by the name of Ashley Ann Jones. Oh, oh, did I? I'm going to hear about this later. She said, Dad, you always use me. Well, she's a good one. She goes with me. But I'm just talking about confession on this morning. Can I be honest with you guys? Because we miss it. Sometimes I, you can't know why, why am I not enjoying the joy of Jesus like I used to. Or like I know that I should. What's wrong? Could be sin in my life. Well, Elder, I'm a preacher. Come on, come on. Yep. He said, that don't mean nothing. All right, y'all hear that? And, yeah, and all right, because preachers know, right, just because God called us to this role, that doesn't give us sinless perfection. We know that. So we got to base that on. So we're humble, right? We know that God, it's your word. These are your people. Lord, we just want to say what you say. We just want to be your delivery boys and girls, delivering your message the way you want it delivered. But so I'm feeling pretty good about myself, which is, probably the problem right there it's probably the problem when you're feeling pretty good about yourself that probably there's probably some sin hiding in your life all right that you just not recognize it. that's why you got to go to God in prayer and in the word every day I'm gonna keep saying that every day you got to get into God's presence because God will reveal your sinfulness to you you don't come into the presence of a holy God and God doesn't tell you about your sinfulness so I'm feeling pretty good, feeling like I'm believing my daughter um, had gone through a program to which she could apply for a scholarship. And because my daughter testified about it, I'm just repeating your testimony, that she says, you know, 
school, you know, like, like her dad. It's not really our thing. And, you know, she's very intelligent, very smart, very creative. But school, Ashley, not your thing, right? No, not your thing, all right? So she applied for a scholarship to go to college. And, you know, I told my wife, I said, there ain't no way. That's what I'm telling y'all. I'm confessing my sin, right? Y'all laughing at me. I'm confessing my sin. Y'all laughing. But I told my wife, I said, ain't no way. Did I tell you that? I said, she, they're not, she's not getting that scholarship. You know, her grades, right, don't meet, you know, the standard and blah, 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 blah. And I told myself, well, one day my wife comes to me. She shows me an email. She says, well, Mike, guess who just got the scholarship, the full tuition scholarship to college? And, and, and just to, to, to segue, I appreciate God allow all three of my daughters to get scholarships to college, to God be the glory. Again, he makes ways out of no ways. We didn't have any money saved up. We didn't have not, not a 529 plan. We didn't have none of that, but we had Jesus. So as much as we appreciate what God has done in my daughter's life, there's still this problem of sin in my life. What was my sin? Unbelief. I did. I did. I and when I said I was like, I'm not kidding around. I was serious. I was. There's no way. I limited the Holy One of Israel. I was telling God what God could not do. Whew. Give me a minute on that one. Whew. All right. How dare I? How dare I say to the one who formed the universe what you can't do? How dare I say what way you can't make? How dare I say what door you can't open? How dare I say what sickness you can't heal? How dare I say what soul you can't save? Who am I? Who am I? The problem of not having joy could be because of sin in our lives. I had sin in my life and not even realizing until God confronted me with it. But I got good news. First John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just listen, somebody, somebody's in sin right now. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Could be because of sin in my life is why I'm not enjoying the joy of Jesus that I once enjoyed. My second one is because I could be confusing joy with happiness. Why? Where's, where's the joy at? The joy of salvation. Why isn't salvation as good to me as it was when I first got it? We treat salvation like a new car. Anybody ever had a new car or a new house or a new job? Oh, I love, ooh, I love when the saints get a new job. I love it. That's probably my favorite time. The saints get a new job. And they get, oh, they get, oh, I got a new job. And they get, oh, yeah, hallelujah. I mean, I'm t- <laughs> Cordy, you didn't know I could go that high, did you? I, yeah, I got it. I got it. Was that my soprano? I got it. I got it. I don't know. But I love it. Because then six months later, you know them devils? <laughs> you 
that's the truth. It's like six months later. It's like, okay, you know, that new house and that new car. Boy, it's the devil this and the dust and the devil. So part of the problem is we could be confusing joy with happiness. Happiness is a feeling. And I'm telling you what I can see, you know, in my life and a lot of our lives is that, you know, we're looking as God as the God of stuff. Now, listen, God will give you stuff. It's his stuff. You're his kid. God will give you stuff. It's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God will give you stuff. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God. All the silver is his. All the gold is his. It all belongs to God. It's his stuff. God will give you the stuff. But what happens is, is that we base our happiness or we think we base our joy on stuff. And then when stuff fades, we're frustrated. When the boss on the job turns bad or when the neighbor acts up or when the car breaks down, we feel like our joy is gone. But see, because that because you made the thing the source of your joy and not Jesus. If God intended for you to have joy and stuff in a person, in a husband, a wife, a child, anything, that would be idolatry. That would, I'm telling you, that would be idolatry. If, God, if your joy was based on anything other than him, that would be idolatry. If my joy has any other basis other than Jesus. So, a lot of times I confuse joy and happiness and that's why, you know, I felt like when things didn't go my way, I lost my joy. I didn't lose my joy. I lost my happiness. Happiness is a feeling. Right? And did you know about happiness, this feeling we have? You can't be happy and sad at the same time. Did you know that? You can't be happy. Try it. Try to be happy and sad. You know, have your face is smiling. The other half is crying. Try that out. Have your face is smiling. The other That, that ain't going to work. You cannot be happy and sad. At the same time, but you can't have joy and sorrow. Let's look at a verse, 2 Corinthians 7 and 4. And we, we, we come and I got like one more thing I want to tell you. And, and we're getting out of here. 2 Corinthians 7 and 4. Now let's just catch the last part of that verse, the B part. He says, I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful. And all our tribulation, joy and sorrow. He's going through. He's struggling. He's suffering. But you know why he's got joy and tribulation? Because his joy is based on the unchanging Jesus. Make Jesus your rock. And then you won't have to deal with the frustration of asking the question of, Lord, where did my joy and salvation go? Make sure your joy is based on Jesus. Jesus does not change. We're rediscovering now the joy of salvation. Listen, um, two things. I just want to say this, and, and I'm closing. Uh, musicians, wherever they are, they can come or, or not. And then uh, Psalms 16 and 11, two verses, I'm done. Two verses, I'm done. So I, I love messages. I believe the Lord has spoken a word to us. I believe that I, I, I know God has. God dropped this in my spirit. If I, if I had the ministry of singing, 
I would have, you know, that uh, you give me joy, that Bashar Mitchell song, you give me joy down deep in my heart, you know. Um, and then I, I thought about the other, I'm trading my joy, I'm trading my sorrow for the joy of the Lord. Y'all, you remember that one, right? You know, and we say, yes, Lord. I can't sing. I, I, wish, I, I wish I could. I wish I could. All right. But listen, but one thing, you know, I've had in my spirit all week now. So I know that this is the word for the hour. I've got no doubt about that. But what I'm always afraid of is that we hear a word, but we don't put any shoe leather to it. You know what I mean by shoe leather, right? You know, I don't, I don't walk it out. You got to walk out. You got to walk out your salvation. You got to put some shoe leather on it. If you hear the word of God and then you don't do anything with it, then what good did it do you? None. So I got to put some shoe leather. So I'm going to give you two verses, all right, as a prescription. We diagnosed it. We diagnosed the problem. Two verses and we're done. Psalm 16 and 11. Psalm 16 and 11. Um, Thou will show me the path of life in your presence. What does it say? Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Do you believe in God? See, y'all are not very convincing. Okay. Listen, whether you believe it or not, let God be true and every man a liar. But I'm telling you, it's the truth. Has anybody experienced this? Has anybody been into God's presence? I'm not talking about just being in a building. I'm talking about being in a car. I'm talking about being in a house. I'm talking about being in an apartment. I'm talking about being in a bathroom. I'm talking about being anywhere. And listen, because we've got access to God's presence everywhere we go. In his presence. Stay in his presence. Stay in his presence. So how do we do that? I always tell people prayer is the lifeblood. Communication is the lifeblood of a relationship. If you don't talk, your relationship will die. You got to talk to God. You got to talk to God early, and you got to talk to God often. You got to talk to God. You got to come into his presence because in his presence is fullness of joy. That's where you get the joy from. The joy comes from Jesus. It don't come from just all the songs you listen to. It just doesn't come from all these other places, but I'm telling you, it comes from God. He is the source of your chief joy. Last scripture, Jeremiah 15 and 16. Pray, saints. Pray, 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 pray. We got to pray. And you have to make prayer a practical part of your everyday life. I've made prayer, and not just praying because you feel like you come into prayer, you hit a wall, or you're just there, but just try, try again. Keep seeking God. Ask God to help you in prayer. He will help you. Do I have any witnesses, people that didn't know how to pray at one time, and now you know how to show enough, come into the presence. I know I made it into God's presence because when I'm there, I got the joy. Last thing, two things, right? Prescription, do it or not. But first one. All right, and if whatever amount I'm in my presence, remember, there's always room to grow. Last one. All right, thy words were found. And I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. You got to read God's word. I'm just telling you, I've tried all kind of uh, get-rich-quick schemes as far as God's word. My relationship with God is concerned. I've, I've tried all kind of fad diets, all right? I've tried all kind of stuff to, to re- replace these two things, and none of them work. You know what works for me is two things. I get into God's face every day, and I get into God's word every day. And I'm going to tell you, and then as I grow in God, I get deeper and deeper into his word. God reveals himself to me more and more. Your pres- you, can- you, shouldn't wait- you should be to the point 
I can't wait to go to sleep so I can get up and pray. Right? Prayer, the last thing I do before I go to bed, the first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning, because in his presence is fullness of joy. God, I can't wait to meet you in your word. Your word, just what Jeremiah said, your words were found and I ate them and they were the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. It's that simple, saints. The joy of salvation. If you've lost it, if you're like David on this morning and you feel like the joy is gone, be like David. And what was he doing? He was praying, Lord, restore unto me the joy of salvation. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. As the musicians play and as the ministers come, as the musicians play and as as the ministers come, we'll play, we'll pray collectively. They get cute with it. They say corporately. But we're going to pray because beyond just hearing a word, we've got to take it and put it into action. And you're super motivated right now. But a lot of times we've all experienced it where my motivation doesn't make it out the door. But we want to experience what Jesus came for, lived a sinless life for, died for, rose from the grave for, and is in heaven making intercession for us. We want the joy of salvation. David was talking about the joy of salvation from the standpoint of the first covenant from the law. What the law could not do in that it was weak, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. We've got a greater covenant. We're new covenant believers. We are under grace and not the law. So we've got a greater joy than what David ever experienced. We've got the spirit of God abiding in us. And we're going to pray that God will bless us to take our mind and put it into action and that we will experience the joy of salvation where that joy has seemed like it's gone and we like David the ark had moved far away but God we're getting your presence and Lord God we're going to keep it close we're praying it right now in Jesus name bow your head Lord God in the name of Jesus we've heard your word on this morning Lord God, we all can identify with David. Though that was written thousands of years ago, it's just as relevant today. David's prayer in the psalm is our prayer on today. Restore unto us the joy of salvation. God, you know, Lord God, where we were when we first received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And how, Lord, if we're honest, we don't feel Lord God, like that anymore because we traded our joy for happiness. But now, God, we go back to you as the root of our joy. Lord God, in your presence is fullness of joy. Help us, Lord God, as we, Lord God, put forth, hallelujah, Lord God, that effort into getting into your presence. Lord, help us as we, Lord God, move forward to overcome, Lord, our flesh and the wiles of the devil. Help us, Lord God, to make it in your presence and experience the joy unspeakable and full of glory. God, help us when we get up from your presence, we go into your word, that we can testify like Jeremiah and say that your words were found and we ate them and they are the joy and the rejoicing of our heart. That we will have no greater joy, Lord God, than the joy that we have in your deliverance. We thank you, Lord Jesus, today for the cross. 
We thank you, Lord God, for providing the means of our salvation full and free. We thank you, Lord God, for your resurrection from the grave, Lord God, and your present intercession for us. Now, Lord God, as we go from this place, we are believing you for greater things because you're a great God. We believe you for it in the name of Jesus. Now, anybody here that does not know the joy of salvation, saints, you can be seated, you can be seated, but, but we would be remiss if you don't and have not experienced the joy of Jesus. All you might not, all you might know is just religion. If you need prayer, you can come and we can pray for you individually. As we have prayed collectively, we will pray for you individually. But you can come if you need prayer. I'm talking to somebody who's honest enough to know that they're a sinner. Somebody who's honest enough that to know that, Lord, my life does not match up with your holiness. And somebody who's honest enough to say, Lord, I repent of my sins. Lord, I'm sorry, Lord God. I acknowledge that you are right and I am wrong and I'm coming, Lord God, on today. Is there anybody here that is repentant of their sins? They want to be baptized. You can be buried with, you can die with Christ, be buried with Christ and be raised to new life on today. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here that wants to say, pray, saints, I'm telling you, we can get all excited about everything else. Be excited about somebody's soul being saved on today. Lord, this is the last time and we realize your time is short. God, we, want, we don't want our worst enemy to go to hell. Lord God, we don't want anybody to go to hell. We don't want anybody to go into a Christless eternity. We don't want anybody to go into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Lord, we're praying, Lord God, bring forth souls. Come on and get your deliverance on today. Somebody need deliverance, please come. Come on, don't hide on today. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. He wants to change your life. Is there one on today? I am praying God is. Lord, I know there's one. There's somebody, Lord God, who wants to experience the joy of Jesus. There's somebody who wants to know what this joy is all about. Somebody who's only known religion. They want to know relationship. Somebody who got, they can't help it. They can't stop what they're doing. They know that they need the help of the Holy Ghost please come we beg you we're back come please your soul is just that valuable we want you to come and experience the love of Jesus on today God so loved the world that he sent that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might have life I'm praying that somebody who's dead in their trespasses and sin with no life on today, you can be saved. My heart goes out. This is a, a dark and a dying world getting darker by the day. None of us know when we go out that door if we'll ever make it back again. And the motivation for me coming to Jesus is not fear. The motivation is love, that you love me so much. You showed your love that you died for me and my sins on the cross and rose from the grave to have new life. We're praying, Lord God, salvation. Lord God, the seed that has gone forth on today. Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that it go forth and be on good ground. And produce some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. We're praying for it and believing you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to ask the ushers to come.